today's episode, David abuse Second City alum Rich Tellerico. Rich has written on Saturday Night Live, Mad TV, and is currently writing on Key and Beale on Comedy Central. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. I used to live in North Hollywood. Uh-huh. Where, which part? The good part. Yeah, there's a good part, right? No, I don't know. Well, there's I lived, Valley, uh, what they changed it to Valley Village, which no, I always want to I have no judgment village. about it. I lived, but it, it was funny. We lived in the house that was owned by Mr. Brainwash from that Banksy movie. Did you see Exit to the Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember the French uh, filmmaker? Yeah, the guy. He was our, he was not Banksy. He was uh, not Shepard Fairey. Yeah, he was the, yeah. the, the guy, guy who the guy the made about. a lot of the. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Who made a lot of the. Artwork and yeah, yeah, and I had no idea. I had no idea until I was watching the movie. I was like, "Look at that! That's my landlord." <laughs> and uh, I know there's a lot of like, "Oh, is this a fake thing?" Because it's a Banksy movie, you know, right. is it fake or real? Right. But a lot of it jived with what we knew of him as our landlord. Uh huh. Um, like at one point, he showed up at the house with a broken leg, and there he is in the movie with the broken leg. So I was like, either he, you know, did he really have the broken leg? And uh, we would get into fights about him fixing things. Of course you would. And I would be like, uh, you know, Terry, can you come and you come and fix this dishwasher? You know, it's not working. He goes, read your lease, read your lease. We do nothing. Read your lease. <laughs> I was like, well, I did read the lease, and it says that we're renting this stuff and house from you, and some of it's not working. So I don't know. The, the movie had a lot of insight into our interaction with I them. think that everybody would be a lot better if there was before you rented uh, an apartment that you watched the movie about the landlord oh my God. <laughs> no, there'd be so many vacancies there would be there would be there would be. because it's like well what story do you want to tell and I think a lot of I, I there's a market for this um, uh, like a landlord who would you hire to do your movie because it really you don't I, I don't think you want uh, Tarantino to do your landlord movie <laughs> Um, you may want Merchant Ivory to do your landlord. I know that they're probably not doing it anymore because either Merchant or Ivory died. Right? I'm not sure. One of them died. Okay. One of them died. So they're not going to be doing your movie. No. Yeah. yeah not if not. they're dead. What? Not if they're dead. That's all. No, 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 no. Not if they're dead. Not if they're dead. Not if they're dead. And um, uh, my landlord, she's mysterious because she'll say things like, there's a lady that owns this building. I'm like, what do you mean there's a lady that owns this building? Where is she? Well, you just send the checks to me. But who's the lady that owns the building? Well, she's a lady. Does she have a lot of buildings? Oh, wow. So it's like, what lady? Do you think that's all just a buffer? I, well, and then she says, well, it's her. when I lived in this apartment, I'm like, when you lived in this apartment, this is your apartment? Who owned the building when you lived in the apartment? And then she lived downstairs. It's like, are you sure you're not the lady and you're just talking like you know, third person about the lady? The story is weak. It, your, your story is weak. I, that would be the punch-up. You'd need the punch-up because it's not just the director doing the landlord movies. It's also who's writing your landlord movie. Do you tell her you said I'm a writer and I, I know about human behavior? There is no lady? You know. <laughs> <laughs> really put her to the wall, man. I should. Hortensia Yepes is her name. And she's like an 85-year-old lady and she's just... To be an 85-year-old lady, I'm, I'm going to say she's. I'm going to say she's 80, um, and her husband is. She's of some Latina 
nature. Mm -hmm. And her husband looks like he was a Korean War vet and fell in love with his Latino lady. Wow. And he takes her all over the place. And he sits in, in the Chrysler across the street while she comes over, hobbles up the stairs and says, it's really nice. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Somebody, I need new carpet. It's like, <laughs> okay, all right. And I think that she talked to Terry about, did you read the lease? We don't do carpet. <laughs> yeah. Like, fuck it. Fuck it. How long you been out here? <laughs> Uh, I've been in L.A. on and off since 2001. And you came right from Second City here? Y no. Yeah. Yeah. So you came here and then went to SNL. Mm -hmm. You were on SNL 2003? Uh, 2004 and five. I got hired at the end of 03. Mm -hmm. And then I was back in Chicago for about a year and a half. What would you do there? Uh, lived. I was trying to live in Chicago. I was going to be, you know... Kazarinsky, Pesquese, Jagodowski, <laughs> Gregoropoulos, you know, I was like, I, this really would be fun, and you know, I had a lot of fun hanging out with those guys, and Noah and I hung out a little bit and wrote some stuff together, and right. um, I just kept getting chances to come out here, so I was like kind of going back and forth, I lived with Alex Fendrich uh, for a while, Second City guy, yeah. great guy, um, so, you know, I kind of... fighting I, coming out here? Uh, I was trying to stay in Chicago. I wanted to spend more time there. Why? Uh, Personal it's, stuff? Oh, it's great. I mean, it's, it's a, great, a great city. It's a great way to live. Yeah. And, you know, I think uh, I also had goals and things that I wanted to achieve and things that I wanted to make. And I felt like I had maybe more opportunity out here. So. Mm -hmm. But the opportunity arose out here. You know what I mean? It, yeah, it just, there kept being little jobs. I helped a couple of folks with shows that didn't last very long. But mm -hmm. you know, I was out here for a little bit for those. And then in 2007, that's when I rented Mr. Brainwash's house. <laughs> and that's what I was just like, yeah, I'll make a full-time leap. So I'm back here full-time again. Right. You, you, you're like Tammy Sager and, and bouncing around a lot, mm -hmm. aren't you? Yeah, well, Tammy's like my sister. I mean, we came through Second City together. Uh -huh. And we went, uh, you know, I think there was something like her and Rachel Hamilton, I did like the first, I don't know, 20 or 30 things I did with Second City, I did with them. Uh -huh. You know, so those guys are just such a part of that. Um, but yeah, yeah, Tammy has bounced around a little bit. She's back and forth quite a bit. Well, she's in New York. She's, she's back moved, in New York. Right? Yeah, she that's right. New York. So the, the job of the writer, and especially nowadays, and with... Uh, uh, with uh, Jimmy Fallon moving, you know, with the Tonight Show moving out there, mm -hmm. that's really. I think that's a paradigm. That, I think that that's going to change the paradigm. Paradigm, the way that that writers that you guys work, and because it used to be like that, didn't it? Like years ago, you go to New York, you come here. I don't know. Well, I mean, years ago, I was an actor, and right. But I'm looking you know, at. I didn't I'm really get into the writing, writing until the about writing. ten years ago. Okay. So. I don't know. For me, it was like, uh, yeah, I mean, I would move if there was a cool opportunity to try something. I, and I would move out of the country. I would move to another state. I would go anywhere, really. I feel uh, the same way. Yeah, I, I felt that this, way about when I went to Boom Chicago, mm, where I went, oh, fuck, I could live here. That's so cool. I'd never been. I really wanted to go. Uh, did Matt you Chapman audition? tried to get me to go. No, just to go visit and hang out. Uh -huh. Who tried to get you to go? Matt Chapman, uh -huh. who's out there, right. and Hans Holson, and... Just even to go visit, and so many great people came out of there, you know. So many great people so, came yeah. out of there. Well, the, you know, Jordan. And Jordan, yeah. Jordan came that's out right. of there. And that's where I and met Becky Jordan. And Becky as well. Becky, and Becky is Bell, Becky yeah. writing, writing, is she still writing? Oh, yeah, I sit across from her every day. We yeah, share an office tell her together. Hello. I will. I like Becky, her so much. Dave says hi, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess I could have said that. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I wanted to come from you through me. Great. You said it much better than I did. Thank I, you. I, I got to come some notes on it. 
Whatever, whatever. <laughs> I don't think it's going to make it. But whatever, we're excited that you said it. Um, <laughs> oh, you wrote it. The, uh, that whole crew and, and, and the, creative, the creative juices that flow in Amsterdam just by the very, the very fact that it's Amsterdam. These Americans are living in Amsterdam. These Americans are living in Amsterdam in a crazy fucking opportunity. And everybody, for the most part, the, the producers there go, well, what do you want to do? And you go, okay, and they go, okay. Mm -hmm. And then you okay, and then at the end of the day, you drink or you mm -hmm. hang out or you have some shitty food, and you're out of your element. And to be thrown out of your element changes everything. Mm -hmm. Well, I was just listening to the very great episode that you did with Stephanie Weir mm -hmm. uh, before I came over here. Oh, cool. And um, you know, she was talking about that that her and Dorf had talked about, you know, that sanctuary that Second City provides. And I think you're talking about a similar kind of a thing, right? You know, like there needs to be a temple of some kind where everybody can practice and right. practice together and grow together. And it's it shows up though, even if there's if there's no formal place for it. You know that hence Becky's theater, hence all these indie groups. Right. You know, we were talking about that. What's the name of Becky's theater? Uh, the Clubhouse Theater. Right. And uh, I haven't been there yet, but I'm doing a show there on Friday night. What are you doing? Uh, it's a birthday party slash show. So. What are you going to be doing? I'm doing a show with Craig Kikowski, Bob Dassey, Matt Craig, and Frank Cayetti. Oh, I read about that. And the, I read about it. What are you calling What's it called? It's called the Squirrel Bear Alliance. Not because that's what we all look like, I realized, but because uh, there was a show that we did in <laughs> Dallas. We were all down there together. Right. So the, the five of us played a show together. And the oh. show was a neighborhood watch kind of a show where there were squirrels and bears that were attacking the neighborhood or something like that mm -hmm. and then we went into the lives of the squirrels and bears and um it was just a very fun show and we've had a few opportunities to play together since then so um what one of the what a crew man <laughs> it's really fun what a crew it's really fun oh to play with those God. guys yeah i mean for so many years i really only played with craig and bob so smart they're, they're so smart. Like I've, I think you know, so smart of me to only play with that. Very smart. Very <laughs> smart. To fuck all that. And no women. Really smart. Um, uh, well, the uh, some women in our group, I guess. There's some female element, I guess. Yes, there, there <laughs> is. <laughs> there is. Yeah. I was I was thinking Dassey, and then I went, no, that's Kukowski. Um And uh, I don't think uh, Frank and Matt. I there's not really a feminine element there. No. Not a feminine element there, but if I was going to say bear, you'd be you'd be the bear and Dassey would be the squirrel. I think that's what I was thinking. I was like, I wonder yeah. if people think that's why we're calling it that. But right. It was just a reference from the early show. Right. Yeah. The, uh, the idea of being smart of the people that we play with that are just so smart and watching the mm -hmm. watching the episodes, uh, watching the the show, uh, the um, uh, Keegan Peel show, Keegan Peel, uh, Keegan and Peel. I want I don't want to say Keegan and Peel show. I just want to say Keegan and Peel, right? Um, how smart that shit is, and how well played it out. Mm. How the great actors there are, and the casting and the direction on mm -hmm. that show mm -hmm. is not your typical Comedy Central direction. Mm. Because looking at the one, did you write or who wrote the one with uh, the chemistry teacher coming in there? Uh, that was me. I don't, was he a chemistry teacher? The substitute teacher who substitute didn't know the names? Yes, that was me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so smart. Okay, and, so. and the casting on that played it out really well. Oh, those well. guys were great. They were, they were so underplayed. And nobody's like, Bleh. it was it was just beautiful. And when we watch that, it doesn't make me think. And I'm a tough read because I, I think, I'm a, I'm a tough viewer because I think 
they went over the top on that one. They went over mm -hmm. the top on that one. They mm -hmm. went over the top on that one. But I don't, I don't notice that on your show. Mm. And I think it has all to do with the top down. You know, it seems that way. And I think that the executives are really cool and nice. And they seem to get what we're up to um, and, you know, want us to do more of it. And I've, I feel lucky. I joined the show in the second season um, after having worked with Keegan and Jordan on Mad and, uh, you know, having jumped over there. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I, lo I love it. I, I was a fan of the show before I got there. And I thought it was like, wow, this is really fun. And they're doing things that, you know, I would like to be a part of. You right. Know, like you said, they're not, like, overplaying it. And uh, the director's great, Peter Atencio and mm -hmm. Charles Pappert is the Where are those uh, guys DP. from? Where's Where's the director from? You know, I think he was, oh boy, somebody has IMDb him. I know he had was a part of a, uh, a long-running live show here, but I, I don't want to say the wrong name. Okay, got it, um, got it. But got I, it. I'd, I'd have to look him up. But I, I know that he, uh, he came from, you know, making films here. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how they got started with him. Like I said, I joined There's them. such a light hand in, it seems like there's such a light hand in a lot of the this, this sketches, certainly, you know, the, the sketch with the... Uh, where they're where they're playing? It's on your it's on your site where they're playing uh, somebody in the Middle East and checking out the ladies in the burqas. Oh yeah, was that yours? Yeah. yeah, and you know that's funny because I was talking to my writing class about this. That like, where's your writing class? Um, you know, I just did one in my garage, uh -huh. and uh, I, I I probably won't do one again. Maybe until next year. Okay, just like a once in a while kind of a thing. And mm -hmm. I do improv class, but I do coach a lot also. But it's also like all that stuff you got listed on your website. Mm -hmm. so, Thank you, by the way. Uh, but yeah, but like I was telling my class that like, you know, if I wrote things that were funny, you know, here, here, and here, Keegan and Jordy are, Keegan and Jordan are funny in between all those right. funny things. And that sketch in particular was one that really the, the joke of it was written that these guys just couldn't see anything when these women were walking by. That was the main joke. They're Middle Eastern guys and women are walking by in right. hijabs and full burqas and the guys can't see anything so they're trying to make the most out of, you know... Bridge of the nose. Yeah, yeah, right. look, yeah look at this. Right. The, they saw her foot nut, that kind of thing. Her foot nut! <laughs> so, but then Keegan and Jordan added this whole level which is completely improvised on the set of the fact that these two guys had nowhere to put their sexual frustration except onto each other. Mm -hmm. So that became a whole second element of the sketch. It was like, wow, thank you for making me look great as a writer. Because it's like, wow, that's that's amazing and hilarious and not something that I even thought of. You know what I mean? Right. And the thing about watching those two in that in that uh, sketch in, in that scene in particular is, I don't. I think that they. I don't think that they. How can I say it? It's not what you would typically see in a sketch comedy show like if, if it were on mad they would just be mm. so so gay rapey mm -hmm. but i felt like these are just two buddies who don't know where to put this and don't necessarily feel an attraction to each other they don't see it and so that's the light hand that i'm talking about totally well yeah mad would definitely uh pile it on in a much bigger way right and i'm not knocking that because no, it's a different show that's absolutely what it was it was right. the sugar rush of uh Shows and I was interested to hear Steph talk about that too. That it's just a very different style of show. So you know, I, I had fun working at Mad, but right. it's definitely a very uh, specific target to hit. And uh, for the most part, I had fun hitting it because there was that was a huge writing staff. There was like twenty something writers on the show, mm -hmm. so it was a lot easier to just get the kind of things I wanted in because not a lot of people were writing relationship or or scene scenes. Mm -hmm. We were the, mine were always called sceny scenes. <laughs> you know, like, oh, that's another sceny scene. 
I was like, yeah, it's a sceney scene, it, you know. So all about, like the majority yeah. of Second City scenes are sceney scenes, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Right? Well, that's a big difference in the way that I think, you know, Second City or the Groundlings might approach something. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, well, certainly Second City less the Groundlings, because the Groundlings seem to be more the mad TV. Is, it, is that right? Groundlings seems to be, and I, but I wouldn't even put them all in mad TV category because, you know, and I like mad, uh, but mad is so over the top and ridiculous. I just think the Groundlings was more character-based right. and we were more premise-based. Right. You know? We like, being... Second City. Second City. I think clearly. Second City was more premisey. Right. You know, where we would all work to serve the premise, but we might not know the inner lives or the deeper moments of any of the characters in the scene. Right. But we would get a cool premise out there where I think they were building scenes from the inside out. They're playing the, the characters the first. Yeah. Right. Sorry. It, being you know, certainly, to have a character, a groundling character is the middle of the maelstrom, and then everything works around that. Mm -hmm. And what gets me about those scenes is I don't... This is good. This is just me. I don't feel that those scenes have legs because once you're done with the bit, you're done with the bit. It depends on how good the character is, though, I will say, because mm. I haven't seen a ton of Groundling stuff, but, like, for example, I think Pee-wee's Big Adventure is a good example. The um, movie. Yeah, that first movie. Right. You know, it was so brilliant and so great because they were able to... You know, take that character and bring him on a cool adventure that made sense for the character. So. But it's not just the it's not just the adventure; it's the character because mm -hmm. the character, as far as I'm concerned, is so vulnerable, mm -hmm. and your heart goes out to that mm -hmm. character, mm -hmm. and to look at that character and go, "Oh man, you know, I, I don't want anything bad to happen. Oh, why is he going? Don't go to the bar. Be careful with the motorcycles. You know, like all that stuff." And I care about that because at that at that moment that I look at it. I feel like that guy might change or he might learn something. But so often, and again, I'm not necessarily saying this about the Groundlings, but so often I'll look at a character and go, you're not going to change. There's nothing going to be, there's nothing mm -hmm. going on with you. Mm -hmm. And if there's something I learned at Second City, it's the idea of the scene isn't over until someone changes. And, and, and that's what I'm looking for. At least that's the way it used to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, that's a big writing thing for film too, of course. You know, how and why life changes for the you know, the people in it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. And I also want to say, in regard to Dasarisky, that when I watch you guys play, there's an interaction between all of you with the idea that we don't know where this is going, we don't know what's happening, but we do know that something is going to change, mm -hmm. that we're going to change. And I think Bob said it when he, he said that what you say before the show, I don't know if, if this is what you say all the time, where you, where you say, I can't wait to meet these people. Mm-hmm. And how awesome that is. Because you're, it's not like, I can't wait to fight with these people. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to be in conflict with these people. It's like, I'm opening myself up to these people. Right? Totally. And, uh, you know, that was a Noah, big Noah Gregoropoulos thing. You know, let's make some people and put them through hell. And, you know, for us, it was just to try to put, show as much of their dynamics as possible. So, you know, you know, of course, you know all that, but like, you know, seeing them in one condition, then seeing them with their families, with their girlfriends, with their bosses, and that tells the story. Right. You know? And as, 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 as long as they're, the plot they're, it, as long know? as you feel that, that the interaction, that the, it, that the interaction that this character has with these people is indeed interaction. It's not mm -hmm. that you, they come over and drop something off and then leave. They come over, drop something mm -hmm. off, and then take something, mm -hmm. oh, air quotation, with them or affect those people in some way over there mm -hmm. at, the, at the location they just went. Yeah, totally. You get a couple of good points of friction for building your point of view. It's the other performers, right. the other characters, and the environment. You know, 
how he builds the fire or how he drives his car mm-hmm. will potentially be laughs. Right. You know, because if you're doing it in character, the audience will be able to follow it. Right. You know, because they go, oh, I know that guy. That's exactly how he would do that, right? That's it. I know that guy. That's exactly how he would do that. Mm-hmm. So as long as you start ringing that point of view bell early, so the audience knows, oh, I see. So you're really playing the game of the character, not the game of the scene. Right. Right, right, right. And point of view so so important. It's so important. And, uh, and, and the acknowledgement that this is my point of view in this scene, to go, what you just said, that's your character's point of view at this moment for this beat, and that it's going to change, but you've got to be aware of being aware that that's your point of view. You have mm-hmm. to be aware of being aware that that's your point of view. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree with you. I don't want to elaborate because it's exactly right. No, I no, no. I, I, the, only, the only reason I'm giving that, that air is so many of my students don't realize what they say. And, and for me to go, what you just said, that, you said that. Mm-hmm. That's what you said. You said that. You said that. That matters. Mm-hmm. Shit matters. And I think that we're walking through this earth not thinking that anything matters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you got to get, as a performer, as an improv performer, you're collecting the pieces of what you hopefully organically do early on. And get him to you know adhere to you, so you can start rolling forward and into a, you know a character. And a lot of times it's easy if you you know you're the uh, uh, the type of character you are that can certainly help uh, narrow it down. Yeah, sure. and I call it inventory. The inventory <laughs> that you, because if you start with zero inventory, and as the scene goes on, you start building the inventory and being mm. aware that this is the shit that we have right now. That's a very nice way to say that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I, one of the things that I, I wanted to, I don't often do this, but <laughs> make this statement here, but one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is your level of professionalism that comes with your improvisation, the way that you improvise. And not just the way that you improvise, the business of improvisation. Hmm. There are some people that are, are, are holding tight to a standard and you hold tight to a standard and a professional standard. Thank you. That's very nice. And what I mean by that is not is is because when I ask you to do, if I've asked you to do a show, you ask some questions, and I'll go. I like those questions that you're asking, um, and I also love the idea of uh, if somebody asks me to do something, they fucking better know that I'm going to do it, because if they back out. Or if they're not, if their infrastructure doesn't work for me, I'm going to be really upset, and they're going to know about it. In an improv show, or in an improv show, or in a in an improv show, or at a um, a coaching session, mm-hmm. or at a um, a festival, or you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about, like mm-hmm. all that stuff. Well, that builds into trust, which we talk a lot about, and then and. Uh, I, I, always, I always talk to my classes about it being like a, a trapeze act. Mm-hmm. And what trapeze artist worth their salt would let some stranger come in and catch them? You know? Right. Imagine the stranger coming in and going like, yeah, I know how to do this. I see it, Don. Let me catch you. Come on. Mm-hmm. You know, no way. No way. So same thing with improv. It's like, look, I'm sure everybody's great, but I don't want to get up here with people I just don't know. And I don't know how they're going to react or what they're going to do. And uh, for me, I want to feel that I know I'm going to be caught and, you know, selfishly and luxuriously i've really restricted myself to just playing with craig and bob for so long and it's it pays off in such nice dividends too because there's times when craig's like just 
putting a chair down, and I'm sure you know this from playing with Carrie for so long. Right. As soon as he's putting the chair down, I go, oh, that's the principal's office from the second scene <laughs> 25 minutes ago. That's your inventory. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Because we, you, you're putting it in the same space that it was earlier. Mm-hmm. And I know that you know... I know that you know that I know <laughs> that you're putting the principal's office set together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm also talking about this. Getting paid to work. This is great. Getting paid to do improvisation. Is hard. Is hard. And this is what I want to talk about. It is hard. But it's hard because we say it's hard because we haven't set it up. Mm-hmm. But I think I've had conversations with you about this mm-hmm. where, and this is, this is where I'm coming from, we need to go, no more. Or we need to go, this is what I want, or I'm not going to do it. It's a very interesting conversation and one that probably could take the length of several podcasts. And I've recently had my eyes open to a couple of things mm-hmm. with regard to this whole UCB thing that happened with the UCB East. You're I don't sure. know. Okay, well, this is something that came oh, out. Oh, with the New York weeks. Times. I didn't read the article. This was a is few that... weeks, months ago, I yeah. guess, at this point. And, you know, and I'm, not, I'm no expert on the story, so I'm going to probably misquote what happened. But mm-hmm. uh, this stand-up complained about not getting any money. And he was like, hey, come on, just give me 10 bucks or something like that. And, you know, the way Ian explained it to me about the UCB Ian theater, Roberts. Ian Roberts, one of the owners of the theater, was that, you know, their intention was to make the theater so that, um, you know, the best shows could support the worst shows and that mm-hmm. no one would have to pay anything to rent a space. And if you have an idea and you want to express yourself, here's a space to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. Like, that kind of makes sense to me. I do think... Uh, it is case by case, and like you said, there's no format to any of this yet. Right. Just like in the stand-up. It's been going the, on for too long for there not to be a format. I agree with you, and I think there's some, it's definitely interesting, and, I, and if you ever like have another off-site conversation. No, I'm going to have about, an off-site conversation. Oh, about, you want to have an about, off-site conversation. I'm just, no, I'm saying, I'm totally, I'm down to throw out a few more ideas. I don't know how long this will take. No, but on, for me, on, on I feel like today. I could talk to you about inspiration, but when I look at you, and this is a topic that fucking needs to be talked about. I love it. I think it's I, great. I'm, I agree with for, you. I, I'm, I lost my mind last year. Year, when somebody, oh god damn it, I get mad. When someone said, we're going to hire you for four, we're going to hire you to do four or six weeks with us, and I'm going, great, and I put my calendar out, and I, and I, I lay it out, and they tell me what they want, and then a week out, away from it, I'm like, you haven't gotten back to me, where do you want, and I haven't heard their, you got an email, I haven't gotten a phone call, nothing, and they go, oh, by the way, we're, we changed our minds. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> and I screeded the shit out of that uh, on Facebook going, this is not okay. And I had 400 people go, no, it's not okay. So that's why I can't have many people sitting here who have that point of view that you have. And Rich, what we have to do is we've got to go, this isn't cool. And the more, the more of us, and I'm not knocking UCB because I get the collective idea. But the more of us who say, no, or wait a minute, I'm packing the house. You've got a bar. You're making some money, and I'm not getting anything. And here's the thing. Shame on me, because I'm not asking. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, because the, that, that dynamic, which sounds a lot like I, the I.O. dynamic. I don't know. Which is where I, where I did spend some years. Uh-huh. It, is, it is a challenge, because when the place started, it was more of a class, or more of a class situation, and the shows were part of the class. Right. After a certain time period it becomes well now it's really well we're doing shows right we're not students anymore we have learned certain level and i guess you're always learning in this thing but you know that now we're performing mm-hmm. 
It's not really part of the class anymore. It is a separate entity. So I agree with you. I think that it should be examined and it should be on the table. And I know there are some teams that get paid with IO. We were paid with IO for right. a while. And, um, you know, it took them a while, but they did. And I agree with you. I think that the conversation needs to be had. And I, I think the cool thing about it is there's a huge opportunity for some venture capitalist out there who wants to open a theater. Because the truth is you could spend almost nothing and get the absolute best talent in L.A. doing improvisation. Right. Because right now they're doing it for nothing. Right. So you need almost nothing to get this talent. And you can con- you contractually lock everybody up and say, look, the best players, we're going to pay you. You know, and there's ways to pay people that you don't have to pay them money. You could pay them in, you know, shares of stock. You could right. say, okay, you're going to have Class C stock of this right. company. You know, you don't have to be, you know, and you could you can earn something. So you also don't want to walk away from an operation 20 years into it and go, hey, what am I holding here, you know, other than my fond memories, which are wonderful. Which but, are wonderful. Which are wonderful. But, you know, you do want to, you know, it is a business. And if somebody's making money on it, it feels like, well, then the performers should too. If um, if you are of that caliber, if you are not, I want to say right, caliber. There, I want to say caliber. Well, there is. If, a, if you're bringing, if you're filling seats with people that buy tickets, yes. And you know, the other side of that argument is, you know, to see it from the other way, that the theater bears all of the responsibility. Absolutely. And if the business goes under, you know, they're in trouble, and the performers are not. So right. I understand there is some, you know, an equitable way to have the conversation. But the fact that you know it's out there, the the. The other frustrating part of it is that the people that would get frustrated eventually, you know, it'll take that they have to go through it. Because, you know, you know the love, you fall in love with improv. I mean, it, it kills you, you know. So, so much so that you're willing to devote every, you know, minute or hour of your day, your week, you know. And you, this was going back to Chicago, you know. You know, have a day job, you work your day job all day. Right. And the first thing you want to do. Right. Is go up to some you know bar and watch people do this, and right. you know for those. And when I talk to students too, I'm like, well, how long have you been doing it? And the people that tell me a year, two years, those are the most fun people to talk to because right. I know they're in love with it. Right. You know, I know they're in love with it, and they're there every night. And we used to come and see you guys at Second City. Yeah. Uh, Bill Cott was in my class. Colbert was our first teacher, and we were there every night. And we saw Where's Your God Now, Charlie Brown, probably. <laughs> Every performance you did of it. It was such a fun show. That was a fun show. It was a really fun show. And, and the thing is, it's, a, it's, it's synergy. It's, a, it's synergy because we got energy from somebody. And, that's, and that kind of an energy, that kind of an energy, that kind of an inspiration, the inspiration energy has no shelf life. Because if you look back on that, you get energized just from thinking about that. And then you want to impart that, that energy, that inspiration energy, to somebody else. And then you do that. Does that make sense? Totally. It's all, uh, you know, self-radiating. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and wonderful. And, you know, in Second City, I mean, all these places are wonderful. There's things that they can improve on, of course. Certainly. Oh, certainly. Um, you know. I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not knocking I.O. because I look at I.O. and yeah. I go, oh, my God, I... I am. I totally know what it is. I, I am. I'm grateful for what it is that they give me, and I don't think that anybody owes me anything. Yeah, I and agree. I think a yeah. lot of people will go into going. Oh well, I was like, you know what? They gave you a venue, dude. They gave you a venue. They gave you a place for you to scream your voice. Totally. And oh, if yeah. you don't like it, then say something. Yeah, I mean that's what you know. Hopefully, the place is built by the people that are doing it. You know and. You know, I agree with you, though. I think Second City was a wonderful uh, platform, mm-hmm. you know, to try your stuff out. And, you know, 
the power of that is is huge and can't be ignored. So, you know, hopefully you'd like to see that, that maybe there'd be a way. I know with stand-up, too, they had a thing with Mitzi Shore at the comedy store, right? Right. They had a, there was a, a strike. Back in the 80s, right? Where right. They, yeah. it, it changed everything. And I'm doing free stand-up at the comedy store on May 3rd. <laughs> you know, so it's all, it's but, all. But, yeah. not but, your reason for doing that. I'm on the down, I'm on the upside of the. That's what I mean. Your reason for doing, that's where I was going. Your reason for doing that is the same reason that, I, you know, you go to a shithole bar and do, right. you know, freeze tag in the years. In those, absolutely, in those yes. Years I'm on the back. upside of that. It's something I've always tinkered with and, right. and always have fun doing. But right. yeah, absolutely. But you do, you do agree to a certain point, right? After a certain while, you become the draw. Right. Um, but... It's also very easy to get an improv team together, you know? So as great as Team X was, you know, Team Y will probably be just as good or uh, maybe better. Are you saying for you, the, the person in that Team X and Team Y? I'm saying for, like, if I'm the person, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm kind of jumping around maybe, but if I'm running a theater, mm-hmm. you know, I have Team X and everybody loves Team X, it's like, well, in a month or two, people are going to just go, what about Team Y? Right, right. Because you're really, the individual performers are great, but what makes that special is the, is the cohesion of a group of people all bending to get the same result. At that, at that moment that we're all sharing that experience. Yeah. So as long as you can have a group of players that can do that, any improv team at their best is as good as any other. Right. You know what I mean? Because right. you're accessing that amazing thing. And if you get the a team that can do it. The energy that's coming yeah. out. Yeah. And so it might look slightly different. It'll be like flourishes or, you know, their own personal intelligence that other people will bring. But if you can get people to do that, that's so attractive. Right. It's so attractive to watch. And uh, so I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what happens with the, the fight over money or, you know, if players eventually get paid. And like I said, if you ever want to have a round table about it or... Whatever. I think it's. I, I think I, people I, I do love, need to have a roundtable about it. And and again, it's shit that <laughs> yeah. people don't. It's only because no one's talking about it. Yeah. And 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 it's and it's a it's an issue for some of us. It's not an issue for all of us. Absolutely. And it, look, I don't think that you know every, it'd be impossible for everybody to get rich off of it. Right. There are there are, there are, there are extreme examples where it feels like all oh, the performers you know they should get something even towards their team fund. Right. To go towards advertising. You know, poster making, all that kind of stuff. Beer. Paying their coach. You know, I, I don't even, I mean, I understand you're saying it even in a joking way. Right. Yeah, sure, beer, but not really. I don't think that that's anybody's responsibility to get them liquored up. But like, No, 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 no. I'm it, just it, saying, it, I'm yeah. saying funds to get beer. I'm not saying Sure, funds to get or beer. pay rent or, right. you know, make their way a little easier. Right. You know, I had a friend of mine whose car broke down but was very involved in one of these theaters and had to take some, like, circuitous bus route just to get to these theaters. And, you know, you're doing all this stuff for free. It just seems like, ah, oh, it'd be so great if there was some fund to help that person who was kind of an integral. You're a communist. <laughs> uh, no, but I I, to, I I totally understand that. I, totally I hate understand. labels, by the way. But what's that? I hate labels, but <laughs> but you know when it works, you know whatever, <laughs> um, whatever. You don't want one. Uh, you got one. The that idea of the the sense of community also is really an important thing. The sense of community. I remember at Second City, somebody <laughs> someone's dog was really sick, and they had to help my dog get um, help my dog get veterinary help. And uh, the community is just so large here. And when one of us, God forbid, passes away, to all of us get together in that time and to go, look at this. Look at the, again, the energy that we get from the energy that we get from the energy. Totally. Oh, it's a wonderful 
thing. And I get sentimental about it. Like even just driving past, you know, the theater, sometimes you'll see, you know, eight or ten people standing in a circle behind the theater <laughs> in some pile of garbage. Exactly. You know, chanting or something. Doing eights. Yeah. And you're like, well, you know what? This is cool because it's Sunday night and these eight idiots could have been anywhere in the world doing any kind of damage to the world, <laughs> but they're here. Right. And they're screaming nonsense at each other. <laughs> And they're trying to make it somewhat better, trying to bring some laughter. So right. it's cool. And you know how big the thing is, it's totally cool. Like it's a great time to be around it. And I know, you know, we've we've all both felt the results of that. You know, Absolutely. Being able to travel and you know, I'm doing this improv thing. I think you did the improv utopia. Did you do that with Nick? Yes, Armstrong? it did. Oh, you're doing it. I'm doing that next next month. And Nick yeah. sells that thing out months ahead of time. Yeah, it's already sold out and it's been sold out for months. And what does he do? I don't know what he. I don't know what he. I don't. I. I mean, I didn't. I did it last year. But what I mean, like, how does he? What does he? How does that happen? I don't know. I'm. I'm so curious. I don't know very much about the experience itself. I mean, I saw mm-hmm. the website, but uh, you go and you eat, and then you have your class, and then you watch a show, and then you eat, and then you have your class. And if you want, you can do archery. Great. And look at the ocean. <laughs> and then great. you walk at night and bring a flashlight and a, and a nice full sweater. Good. Yeah, yeah, I'm making, I'm, I'm packing, I'm excited. It should be fun. Yeah, yeah. It's soon, right? Yeah, the weekend of uh, Memorial Day. Right. Yeah. So you got somebody like, like those of us who are, um, uh, um, who are, who are able to subsidize our life, I'm careful not to say make a living at it, mm-hmm. although that's not bad, who are able to, there are some of us who are subsidizing that because that's the, that's the sluice that we went down, mm-hmm. that, to say I travel around the universe teaching and directing and, and teaching and directing and performing in improvisation and that's something that I never saw myself doing mm-hmm. and that was something that wasn't even available when right. I first started out oh no doubt and, and to look at Nick Armstrong and to go there was not that wasn't of course that wasn't there and he's not doing a festival I mean it kind of is a festival but it's not a festival it's a camp yeah, I mean, there, and there's so many of those camps and festivals all over. You right. Know? And uh, I've done a number of them, and I'm doing a few more this year, and they're tremendous. You know, like you said, there's no, you're not going to make, you know, uh, you're not going to buy a new Ferrari out of it. But no. it's, it's a total blast, and, uh, you know, it does support everything. Like, the improv part of it supports the acting part of it. It supports the writing part of it, the creation part of it. I think a lot of people don't realize that when they first start out. When they first start out, that it, that all those like like the improv helps the acting helps the da da da, but it also helps the life part of it all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The idea that you go, oh, I thought that was going to happen. That didn't happen. Whatever that was. Uh huh. Yeah, having a flexible plan. Having a flexible plan. <laughs> you know, if you get nothing out of this, at least have a flexible plan. Absolutely. And you think you, you know where it's going to go, but you're ready to roll with whatever. And happens. and yeah. and to look at it and to say, like, because sometimes I'll like lately what I've been doing is I've been doing this. Okay, this is the way that I've been doing this. So I've been doing it this way. Only because I've been doing it this way. Am I making any sense there? With regard to... I'm going to tell you what. Okay. With regard to that drawer in the kitchen. That drawer's been holding that because that drawer's been holding that. Now, if I look at that and go, I could change that. I could change that drawer. That drawer doesn't have to hold that stuff. Uh Right? Sure. Um, And to look at it and go, okay, I've only been doing that because that's that's what I've been doing. I, it's just repetition of it. Instead of going, 
oh, like an, if this were an improv scene right now, I'd look at it and go, oh, no, uh, historically I do this, but now I'm going to try that. Am I making any sense here? Totally. So you're talking about finding inspiration to try a new thing that might bring new insight? All, but throughout my life, mm -hmm. like throughout my life, like looking here, you, there's, a, there's a bunch of boxes here because my uncle uh, moved out of his house and I've got a bunch of his stuff here. So they're, like his furniture is like that chair and that ottoman were his and those cool, any cool thing, that's not mine. So uh, I, I, it, it, make, it shakes up my head. And because it shakes up my head, I'm looking at these other things that are in relationship to the head shaking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the idea of playing with different people, where they think differently and re mm -hmm. react differently. And so now I'm going to respond differently, but I get to respond differently. I get to respond differently. Totally. Yeah, yeah, and it definitely can open you up to new things and, oh, for sure. Right, right. And... You as a writer, trying not trying, you as a writer, coming up with new stuff all the time too, because that's that's your lifeblood. You know, that's where I've been making my money the last ten years. Awesome, man. and it's been cool. So, but I, I really want to get into directing. That's what I would like to try to fuse the acting and writing, mm -hmm. and do more of that. So, I've been shooting a few things, and really, you, you, just you shot the bank thing. What was that? <laughs> yeah, you've been on my website. So yeah. Nice. yeah. Well, no, but I remember when it first came out, yeah, and I remember yeah. watching it then. Mm -hmm. You know. Did you, you know, direct those? I did. I did it with improvisation. I went to my hometown, and right. uh, you know, that's where that was. And we, it was so great. And I really would love to go back there because they're so open to us shooting there. And in fact, you know, like here when you try to shoot something, people are viciously suspicious. Right. They know that a film crew will damage their place and leave. <laughs> you know, they know. So they know They're, the doors are shut. There's no room at the inn. Right. In L.A., but in well, somebody my, ruined it for everybody. In my little town, man, they were. What town is this? It's called Frankfurt, New York. Uh -huh. One three three four zero, and there are, uh, you know, everybody was excited that we were coming. And I was like, you don't, uh, you don't realize this is just basically like a film school project for me. Like, <laughs> right. you know, this is really nothing of consequence. It's not like you know, it's going to be anywhere. You know I mean, it's just like a, I'm shooting it to learn how to shoot. Um, but you know, we got to use the cop car. Uh, <laughs> we used this abandoned bank. Um, That's what that was. We had uh, a factory available to us, which we didn't use, and they were disappointed we didn't use it. They were like, oh, no. So I'd really love to go back. There was so much that we had access to, and mm -hmm. uh, we were only there for a couple days. So we, you know, we improvised, and those actors were so good. We really kind of found it. That was such a let's just find it. Right. You know, I knew we had the bank. That was the thing that made me want to go there. I was right. like, oh, we've got this bank, so we kind of came up with a little bit of a story. And, Did you have um, furniture in the bank? There were a couple of pieces, but no, the bank was all kind of torn up, and uh, it's it's not it hasn't been used as a bank in probably ten years, uh -huh. so it's just it's empty. It's owned by this construction family that uses it as their offices. And are they Italian? Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, they are. I don't know why I thought they were Italian. Yeah. Yes. Everybody's Italian up there, right? Yes, yes, Absolutely. they're Italian. The idea of, um, uh, but but in that you were you were, um, <laughs> I, I I don't want to say realistic because that's not what I'm talking about. But, but you were open towards the idea of this is going to be. I'm. It's not. It wasn't the product that you were looking at. It was the process that you were looking at. You know that's very true, and I'm I'm more experienced and process based. You've been talking with a friend of mine recently about what we would do if we, you know, won the lottery. For me, it would be less about, you know, I guess of course I'd like to have a place to live, but 
more about like what could I do with the money, mm-hmm. right? Know? And I guess living somewhere is what you would do with it. But I want to, I want to, you know, yeah, I'm more experience based. I guess the, the interesting thing about what you just said because when I talk to students about uh, when they when they come with money in a scene, it's not the <laughs> money; it's the person that has the money. Because the money is not mm-hmm. going to change. Right. The money is the money. The money is the architecture. The money is the, the power. But it's what is that person going to do with their money? Their relationship to the money. Totally. And and I I because I love what you just said because again, money is process. Money is a means to is is the means. And the fun mm-hmm. of what we do is watching somebody experience the means. Totally. And, you know, for me, it was also a film school thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a very, filmmaking is a very expensive uh, hobby. Less so now, but... Yeah, but it's still... I mean, you're right, but if you want to get semi-serious about it, you right. know, it is not a cheap uh, venture by any means. You know, I might as well take up golf or something. You know? <laughs> right, or uh, owning a boat. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, right. No, totally, totally a whole new venture. And it takes a lot of hours of learning and you know that was a lot of what i was hoping to knock out was just learn a bunch you know to do a shoot that took place with multiple characters multiple locations and time passing because up to then everything i had shot has been one joke one scene yeah right you know one location so Mm -hmm. i wanted to see could i string a story together even if it you know wasn't tremendous or anything but i and i think i you know we did string a story together so to me it was that idea of stringing the story together because to go to also open yourself up to what's adjacent to that which we've just established <laughs> and what's adjacent right. to that which we, what we've established as well. But I think you're following something. And for us, we were following the guy. So let's just follow this guy around. And we play that improv game with him. Let's see him at home. Let's see him at work. And let's see him at play. At play. Right. And, yeah. And that helped us kind of open it up a little bit. And, you know, it was a cool experimental fun kind of thing to make, but. Um, I think I want to work more with script where I've done all that thinking ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'd be open to shooting anything so improvisational. Do you enjoy the process of writing? Do you enjoy that? You know, yes, I do actually. The process of writing though is has a lot of, uh, you need a lot of patience. You have to trust as well, right? To trust it. Sure. Right? Well, I think you need patience in that you can't manufacture you can't snap your fingers and have a script because if that were true, you know, studios would be doing it all the time and they don't. They really need, it's a process. Right. Um, Again, we go back to process. Yeah, I think so. You have to have an idea that you're starting with and then that idea may change, you know. I remember talking to Ruby Streak at Second City um, about when I first... Musical director. Musical director there. That's Mm -hmm. right. When I first got there, I said, you know, what's the most important thing I need to know going into this? And she said, write the first show so we can get rid of it and write the better one. <laughs> and I think, you know, that that shows up over and over in things that I work on where it's like you have to kind of overdo it, flood it, you know, figure out where it breaks and bends and where it stretches. And, you know, there's a process of getting to know all the people, right. getting to know the story, you know. The people being what? The characters the in characters. the story. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? You right. have to get to know them. And, right. Um, and you want to like them. You know, and then once you have their points of view, it's easier to operate. Mm-hmm. You know, once you've found who the character was, it's so exciting because you go, oh, I see how he fits into the bigger scheme of things, and it's really fun to think about them. Really, anywhere you can come up with a scene. It's it's uh, I'm not I'm 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 hearing you, and I'm hearing you <laughs> not not say doubt, 
And because you're not saying doubt, there's a confidence that you have that this is what it is that I'm doing and whether anything's, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. With regards and to writing? With mean? regards to writing. Well, I also think mm -hmm. with regards to everything else, but that's me. With regards to writing, but the idea of once you know your character's point of view and you try this and you already try it and it's going to take you down a path. And, and to say it doesn't work, that's not true. It takes you to somewhere else. You've tried that thing. You know, you've learned something from that, that this element works and this element does not work. Well, there's a lot of different definitions of success. I understand that. So for sure, I agree with you on that. Um, I think, yeah, it's a process. You have to figure out everything. As a writer, you're answering every question that could ever come up. Right. And once you have all those answers, you're ready to write. Uh, is that the mental process or is that the writing process as well? It's everything process. I mean, right. I, I'm no, usually for me personally, I'm usually working on a couple of things at once, if not many things at once. Really? And a lot of times it's drops in the bucket, you mm -hmm. know, and drops in the bucket do fill the bucket mm -hmm. as long as you don't add too many buckets or let it evaporate. <laughs> so you have to be consistent. But have you said that before? Yeah. That's really and, there's, and there's no shame in, uh, you know, taking time to do something. I talked to Ali Farinakian about his theater, and this was early on, the and now they're, they're so tremendously successful. They're and trying to stay successful? Tremendously successful. They're tremendously successful. He has, yeah. he has uh, this, the, if you haven't been to the pit in New York City, it's tremendous. Uh, you walk in, you go, oh my God, this is an improv theater. It seems like a nightclub or That's something. That's what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? But he's like you in that, like, there's a way to do it, man. Well, and he, but he really, I mean, that was the result of him teaching for nine years. Right. And really, you know, starting with the smaller space and building to that space. And I said this something to him when he had the first space. This was years ago. I was teaching a class there, and I said something like, this is really cool. You know, I think it was the five-year anniversary or something like that. Forgive me if I don't have the details right. But he said, you know, those, I said, that's great. You know, it's amazing. You've been doing this for five years, and you've got this great theater, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, you know, the five years would have went by whether we did this or not. See, right, see, right, 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 right. So I think it is, a lot of it is attitude and like, I know what I have to do and I'm just going to do it until it's done. Right. Um, you it, know what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, ultimately I want to write and direct and produce films. But what and, I'm saying is, you yeah. know what you want to do and you're going to do it. It's not what you have to do, it's what you want to do and you keep doing what it is that you want to do. Because there is no one thing that you do, though. No. It's, it's a trillion things. Even as an actor, and, you know, you, it's not just like, oh, just act. There's a, a thousand things that you have to do besides act. Right. Just to get to the place where you can act. Right. You know what I mean? You need an agent, you need the script, you gotta learn the thing. And all that that's accessory shit, not to mention the fact that you've got to be at peace with yourself and trust who it is that you are. And and you know, you're growing as an actor with everything you do and you're on that ride for sure. Right. Um, if you're but, a miserable son of a bitch, <laughs> I don't you may make it, but there's gonna come a point where that well's gonna that well's gonna dry up. If you, true, uh, yeah. For me, I look at people and go, okay, that guy is in line for an epiphany and a turn because there's going to come a point where nobody's going to work want to work with that person anymore mm -hmm. because they're not at peace with who it is that they are. Mm -hmm. And they've got to be at peace with who it is that they are. And I like to surround myself with those people mm -hmm. because they, they motivate me. And I'm inspired. Mm -hmm. And I need to be inspired. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. And that's, you know, that's what this show is about, right? You know, sharing... Uh, what makes you tick? What makes us tick? You know, and, clearly, and, and what and we want to try to share with people, and like you know, what's working for us, and 
what's our, our method, I guess. When I think about the people that listen to this, and I don't, really, I don't think I've ever talked about it, when I think about, because in voiceover work they always say, who do you, who do you see talking to? Mm-hmm. And I love your two voiceover things about the beer and the wine. Like, it's fucking good, right? Oh, right. You know what? That was so f- stupid. It was so stupid. I did it in my car. I know, I could tell. I did it in my car because I was like, I was like driving home and I saw these billboards and I was just like reading them with swear words and it was so stupid. Right, exactly, exactly, right. But there's got to be more, more of that sort. It's like, this is, this is vodka, it's vodka, it's crisp, it's good, it's delicious. It's, you should fucking buy this stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, uh, I want to think about, so we're doing voiceover, you go, who, do, who am I talking to? Mm-hmm. Um, and when I think about who's listening to the podcast, I think about my students. I think about people that are on some kind of spiritual journey that are that are looking to have recognition that we aren't alone in this world. Mm-hmm. That that crazy shit that you're thinking about is not crazy shit when you get together with other people. That's called inspiration, and that's called connection in that way. So. That is what this podcast is about, and it's also about me talking to people and going, oh, that's really cool, the bucket and evaporation, and it's a bucket. (laughs) And it's essentially a numbers game, but it goes back to the thing about improvisation. There's not one fucking clear way of doing it. Oh, of course not. Well, no, really one clear way of doing anything, I suppose, but yeah. But before we get off that acting thing too or the writing thing you know you'll write things that may or may not sell but they may sell later right you know and no sooner would an actor go well i didn't get that audition i guess i'm not an actor anymore right you know what i mean but there's a lot of people that need to have it and we go back to this all the time the idea of what's your expectation my expectation was that and that hasn't been met it's like you're not done dude yeah you're on a bigger you're on a bigger journey than your single any single goal clearly yeah, Clearly, and, and, and so when you think of it as you're on a, you're, what is it? You're on, you're on a bigger journey than any single goal, the goal isn't a goal, it's just a place. It's not like you know, at, the right. end of the, at the end of the football field, there's the goal post, and then that's the end of the game. Well, it's not a game. I'm thinking of other analogies too, though. I mean, there are certain areas where you would, if you did not succeed, you would not continue to do it. Um, you know, if I'm a boxer and I lose, you know, 40 fights in a row, all by knockout in the first round, you know, somebody might come along and say, hey, you're not a boxer. Are you not a boxer? You've boxed. You have it in your system, uh right? uh Uh-huh. So I'm just wondering, like, can you open the argument that way? And this is a lot of what the writing process is. Certainly. Asking questions and opening doors and going, what if that? And what if he thought that? And what if he did this first? And what if she said that? See that right there. Like the idea of you've lost, you you boxed in 45 and you were... Not TKO, but KO'd. But what if in the 41st fight, this guy gets really, finds it? Right. You know? Right. So right. he might have given up at fight 25. Well, because he was still a boxer, but he, was, he, found, it, he found an off-ramp to his life. So it's really up to you where you fail. You know, there's no failure unless you stop doing it. That's what I mean. So when I say that, that you're, the only failure you have is when you go, I'm done. Like, how the fuck are you done? When are you done? So just because he lost all his fights does not mean he's not a boxer. And when he quits, he's still a fucking boxer because he thinks boxer. If you stop writing, aren't you still writing? No. Aren't you still thinking thinking about a writer? Couldn't resist. Wait, say it again. Yeah, no, no. If you (laughs) you stop writing, aren't you still a writer? It's not necessarily the output that you have. <laughs> it's not the output that you have, it's the way that we look at the world. 
you know, it all depends, I guess, on who's asking the question. Um, so I don't know. I guess that uh, that boxing thing was kind of fun to think about because in the writing world, too, you know, you'll sell things and some things you can't sell. Right. That's what it is. But, you know, the truth is I think everybody's probably going through that on some level, right? Um, but every job, whatever it is, has its own world of problems to solve you know so I've, i remember being early on in the acting thing people would uh-huh. be like why don't you do voiceover man do voiceover it's such a as a, you know, why, why did you just do that you know or, or not, not not criticizing my acting i was just saying like people thought mm. I, I had friends suggest to me you know i heard that you, you just make millions of dollars and you do it in your bathrobe you know and all that kind of stuff and I was like, yeah, but that's a whole other world. Right. That's a whole other career. you got to get a voiceover agent. You have to have, you know, the samples. You have to work on your technique. I mean, it's a whole other thing. So that's a bucket I didn't want to add to my, you know. <laughs> to your inventory. Yeah. Uh, maybe people were telling me that because they were like, they didn't like my acting. But I <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's be finished there. Dave, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrosowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.